In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. What's up? How's everybody feeling out there? Guys, enjoy your weekend. Did you have a uh, do anything special? Hang out with the family. Have a couple drinks. Maybe have too many drinks on Friday. Too many drinks on Saturday. You get up and go to church on Sunday. What'd you guys do? Anything fun? Oh, I'm just checking in on you guys. You know I love you. You know I haven't seen you for a couple days and wanted to start this week off the right way. Give you guys something hopefully to laugh about, something to think about. So much tragedy going on right now. So much chaos. It kind of got me thinking. It got me thinking about how in times of chaos, in times of absolute uncertainty you can find I think you can find some pretty good humor you can find that little golden nugget of comedy and I want to give you an example of something that happened to me back when I was a young buck Uh, I was probably I don't know let's say 17 17-year-old George Monty working at a pizza place. And uh, it was up, it's called Upper Crust Pizza, man. Some of you guys know Upper Crust Pizza. They make a phenomenal pizza. This Italian guy, Frank Stefano runs it. It was like a happening spot, man. And like, Frank would hire a bunch of kids. And when I say kids, I mean, you know, everywhere between 15 to like 26. And it was... Uh, it was it was popping there, man. It was uh, all the. It kind of reminded me of. Do you guys remember the show Happy Days? And they uh, they would all go to like Al's Diner. Was it Al's Diner? You know where Fonzie would hit the jukebox and he'd be like, "Hey," the music would come on. But all the kids would go there. Is what I'm trying to say. It was like it was the happening hangout, and um, especially Fridays and Saturdays. 
Like Fridays and Saturdays, it would just be packed in there, like standing room only. And just so, because everybody's listening to this, I want to try to give you some dimensions. So you would walk, you would, you would drive up and then you would walk in the glass doors and you would, to the glass, you would go in the double glass doors on your right hand side would be a takeout window with a cash register. And then straight ahead of you would be the dine-in register about 10 feet from the door. And then you would follow all the way down the corridor and there would be a bar where you would get your drinks, you know, be it soda or beer or wine or, or whatever. And then it opened up and do like a really big dining room that probably had an occupancy of maybe 230 people. So it was a relatively large place. Had a big screen TV. And um, just think of your local pizza joint, man. Everybody's got a pizza joint in their, in their town or at least they did when I was growing up. And um, this pizza place, it wasn't in a really bad area, but it wasn't in like a, a great area. It was kind of an older part of town. And um, it just so happened that that place got robbed a couple times. And it just so happened that I was there two times it got robbed. And I don't know if anybody has ever been held at gunpoint before. But it can be kind of traumatic. It can also be kind of humorous. I know what you're thinking. It doesn't sound very funny. And it wasn't funny at the time. But looking back at it, there were some funny things that happened. So the first time, the first time was like on a Wednesday night. And there was a three-man closing crew. It was me, my friend Ward, and the manager, Frank Stefano. And anybody who's ever worked in like a restaurant business knows that like right before you're about to close, we were closing at 10 o'clock and like we were wiping down the counters and we we're putting stuff away and doing the dishes and you know, there was only three people there. And so it turned out that Frank, he was in the very back part of like the, uh, he was actually working on dishes back there. We had the industrial dish cleaner and that kind of stuff. And he took it upon himself just to be the dish guy for that night. I was wiping down like the counters and cleaning up all the dough and, you know, putting stuff away. And Ward, he was out mopping the floor. So he was out in the game room. And the game room, I forgot to mention, is right when you walk into double doors, instead of turning to the right to the cash register, you would take a left and you'd walk down about 20 feet and there would be a game room that had like, I don't know, maybe 10 arcade games in there. And so about 9.50, nobody in the building, nobody there. I'm wiping down, I'm ready to close, get out of there. And Ward comes back with the mop and the bucket and he says, George, we're gonna get robbed right now. People are gonna kill us. And Ward was kind of a jokester, but you could tell by the look on his face, he wasn't joking. So I go, I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? That's, what do you mean? And he's like, man, I was mopping the game room and I seen two guys outside the game room window with a gun, man, and they were talking. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, yeah, dude. He's like, I'm pretty sure they're gonna come in here and rob us. And I was, you know, in that moment, that's one of those moments where time kind of slows down and you're like, whoa. And I'm trying to process this information from this guy. Obviously, I don't want to get robbed or shot or anything like that. 
but I want to take him seriously. So he comes, he comes into the kitchen area and we're talking and he goes, man, I'm telling you, dude, shit's about to go down. And as he says that, like I look up, like I hear the door, you know, uh, when the door opens, it has like a little bell, like ding, 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 ding. And so as soon as we're talking, all of a sudden you hear like ding, ding, like someone came in through the front door. And so we get kind of quiet and we look up to the dine-in register and there's two guys just staring at us at the dine-in register, like waiting to order. And Ward looks at me and I look at him and he just, he doesn't say anything with his words, but his eyes tell me, Hey, these are the guys. And so the guys, the registers, they don't say anything. They're just staring at us. So now I'm, I am again processing what Ward said. So I call up Frank, the manager from the back. Hey, Frank, can you get the dining register? And, uh, you know, Frank was in a hurry. He wanted to get out of there. So Frank comes up from the back and he looks at us just standing there. And then he looks at the guys at the dining register and he looks back at me and Ward and he's like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you guys? And Ward reaches out to grab on Frank's shirt, but Frank kind of shrugs him off. And so Frank walks up to the dining register and he goes, what can I get for you? The guy pulls out a gun and aims it at Frank and he's like, all your money. One guy comes around and he points a gun at me and Ward, tells us to get on the ground. It was kind of, it was pretty traumatic. I mean, looking back on it, I don't think I was in any real danger, but it was, it was traumatic. What I found really interesting was that, you know, after they robbed us or whatever, nobody got hurt, we called the cops. And the cops came down and they took our statements. And uh, what I thought was really interesting was that, okay, the cops, they, they separate you and then you, you give your statements individually. So we did that. And then after the cops left, we were sitting around talking and I asked Ward, hey, what did, what did the guy ask you? Did he ask you the same questions he asked me? And it turned out the cops asked all three of us the exact same questions. However, all three of us had a different description of the perpetrators. I had them wearing a blue hat. Ward had them wearing a red hat. I had them like at 5'6". Ward had them like at 6'1". You know, and it kind of... While not really humorous, it's, it's interesting to think about how your perception of reality changes in times of crisis. It's interesting to think about how your perception of reality changes when you're threatened. And it lends credence to the idea that, you know, your sight is not for accuracy, your sight is for survival. So fast forward about another six months. This was on a Friday night. And this is where I found, this one has a little bit more humor to it. Fast forward Friday night, it was grad night for Vista High School. And there was inside, we had everybody working. We probably had 25 employees working. We were like a, a hive of bees. There's people walking in and out of the kitchen into the dining area. There's a line of people at the bar for drinks. There is a, 
You know, pizzas in the oven, people making pizzas, people delivering pizzas. And the dining room is at like full capacity. And so we're, we're moving right along, you know, and, and everybody's working, having a good time and the people are eating and all of a sudden you hear this, everybody get the fuck on the ground right now, we're going to kill you. And then an eruption, an eruption of chaos, women screaming, kids screaming, you know, and I, I remember looking out into the dining room and people are under their tables it was again it was one of those moments where it's like a flashbulb memory where you know, I, can, I can recall it and it seems like it was it's still pretty fresh and so as I gave you the description before there was three guys one guy came they came in the double doors and one guy went to the right and he covered the takeout register. The other guy came in straight and covered the dine-in register. And the third guy, he came all the way towards the bar register where there's a little opening where the servers would go in and out to deliver pizzas to the tables and you could go out and bust tables through that little hallway. The third guy came running in through there and then he came into the kitchen and he was pointing at his gun and again was just screaming at all of us to get on the ground and make it some threats. I happened to be right by the bar register where the guy walked in. Could see his gun. I had a buddy of mine, my buddy Kevin. Kevin was older than me and Kevin was a big guy. He was probably six, say six two, maybe two thirty. Think about like a like a college football lineman and that's what this guy looked like he was a big guy really funny super cool guy and he was working the bar register and so there's a lot of things that happen but I'll give you the play by play first off starting with how I saw it and my conversation with Kevin because when the guy came through the hallway of course he yells to get down on the ground and So Kevin, he is on the ground with his head facing the inter-exit where you would walk in and out between the kitchen and the dining room. And I am facing, my head is facing his head, so we kind of form like an L. Both of our faces are on on the floor, you know, we're kind of starfished out, and the perpetrator had walked, had penetrated the hallway past me and is kind of standing behind me on the inside and he's making his way towards the registers. And so (laughs) here's where it gets kind of funny. My friend Kevin, okay, now we're laying on the ground like cheeks on the cold freaking concrete, right? And he's like, George, I go, yeah, what's up? He says, when the guy comes back, I'm going to grab his leg. I go, what? what? What did you say? He says, when the guy comes back, when he runs through, I'm going to grab his leg. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
you know, I'm thinking like that's a that's a fucking horrible idea. So I'm thinking. So I I go I don't say that. I just I just tell Kevin like, "Why? Why why are you going to grab his leg?" And Kevin pauses and he's like, "The fuck you talking about? He's robbing us." And I'm like, "Man, I think it's a bad idea. Like you don't got any leverage, man. Like you think you're just going You think you're just going to reach up and pull him down? Like you're you can't do that, man. Like why don't you just pull on his pant leg and like let him know you're here? The guy has a gun, man. That's a stupid idea. He's like, what? I'm like, why don't you just reach up and like tickle his leg a little bit? And then Kevin gets quiet and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would I tickle the guy's leg? He's like, that's stupid. And I'm like, yeah, so was your idea. So as we're bickering, the guy with the gun's like, hey, you two, shut the fuck up. Knock it off over there, motherfuckers. <laughs> so I tell my friend Kevin, like I... I I take my hand and I do like the little jazz fingers. I'm like, giddy, 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 giddy. He starts laughing and I start laughing. It's pretty funny. You know, and that's one of those moments of crisis where, you know, it's, <laughs> even now thinking about it, I start laughing. But uh, it was pretty traumatic. It's pretty traumatic. But you can find those little nuggets of humor when crazy things happen like that. Another time, uh, this one is not as violent of a story, but it's more of a story of being kind of quick-witted and having the ability to recover when you find yourself in a position of uh, a position of ridicule. Let me explain to you what happened in at this one. So this is in my younger days. I was probably 26, 27, and. Uh, We had shot out to Vegas, me and my buddy. Me, my, actually a lot of us had shot out to Vegas. And uh, it was me and my buddy Mario. A couple girls were with us. I think maybe Chance, Mike, Ray, maybe Bernie. And uh, we went to this big festival and it, it was awesome. Had a great time, tearing it up. Had a bunch of booze, did some gambling. And this party was a... Uh, it was like a theme party. So we were all kind of dressed up. I think it was like a pimp and hoe party or something. And uh, so we tore up the whole event, had a great time. And, uh, you know, 2.30 or 3 o'clock, it shut down. And we were going to, we ended up hooking up with some people that were going to go to this after hours party. So we're walking to, uh, I didn't even know the people whose after hour party it was, but ended up being like at the not the penthouse but you know pretty high up pretty high up I, I, it might have been at the, the four seasons out there and as we were walking like I ran into an old friend I hadn't seen in a while like we kind of crossed paths and I was like you know you know how like you're walking and you see a friend but you're still with your group so you don't want to stop too long so I see this guy this guy Ricky and he's like, dude, what up, George? Oh, Vegas, man, you having fun? I'm like, oh, yeah, we're hitting up this after-hours party. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And he takes, he's like, hey, man, put out your hand. I go, all right. And he puts these two pills in my hand. He's like, eat those. So I eat them. And, like, he stops. Like, I eat them. And then he just goes quiet. And he goes, wait a minute. Don't eat those. 
<laughs> you know, so I'm like, oh man, what? Now I'm kind of freaking out a little bit. I'm like, do I already ate them? He starts laughing. Goes, ah, no worries. I got some more of those. I just, those are my last two. My friend has more. And I'm like, well, what were they? And he's like, oh, those were those were uh, two hits of ecstasy. I was like, what? So, long story longer. I keep walking. I'm like, all right. Well, hey, you know what? I might as well enjoy it. So I don't trip out. And it takes about we got we got to catch a cab, and then we walk around a little bit. And by the time we get to the hotel we're going to, the Four Seasons. You know, by the time we get up there and get situated, it's like an hour and a half. And like, dude, there's some like minor celebrities there. And, you know, I, the, the view is breathtaking, man. I remember just looking out like this huge window and being like, oh my God, what? Dude, is that Dennis Rodman over there? Kind of tripping out and like, but all of a sudden, like the pills start hitting me. You got, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if anybody's if you've never taken ecstasy before, but you know, about an hour and a half in, two hours in, all of a sudden you're like, (sighs) you know, you're taking some pretty deep breaths. Everything's kind of breathing. Your mouth is dry. You're kind of chewing the inside of your mouth. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good time to take a seat and kind of kick back for a minute. So I'm sitting at the table. There's like a little dining room area and I'm sitting at this table and kind of close my eyes for a little bit because that's how I was feeling. I was enjoying it, sipping some water. And, uh, you know, I didn't think I had my eyes closed for that long. But I kept, I kept feeling like that pins and needles. You know what I mean by that? Like, you kind of feel like the little pins and needles, like if your arm feels, falls asleep or your leg feels asleep and then when it when you wake back up, it kind of gets you like that little shocky, that little pins and needles feeling. I was feeling that all over my body, but then like I kept kind of feeling it like on my cheek, but it was a little bit harder. Like it didn't really, it felt like more like a little, like a little tapping or something. And I kept feeling it like every few seconds. And so I'm like, what the heck is that? And so I kind of opened my eyes and I'm, you know, I probably looked like I was just out of control. I mean, I was out of control. Who am I kidding? And so I feel it on my cheek again and I open my eyes and I look around and I see these two girls in the kitchen that were like, oh man, they were beautiful. Like think of, they were vague as beautiful. You know what I mean by that? They were vague as beautiful. Like they were all wearing some kind of designer dress, but like they just looked really attractive, really sexy. And their hair was all done. They looked really pretty. And I looked at them and I looked around and they were just talking to to themselves. And plus I'm out of it, man. I'm like two pills deep. So I don't really know what's going on. And uh, so I kind of, I just looked out at the ground. There's like these little ball, like it looks like little little balls on the ground I'm trying to put this together I'm like dude what the hell and as I'm doing that pink like a spit wad hits me on the cheek and then like I come to the realization oh these fucking girls these girls are shooting spit wads at me right so like as I'm thinking that like I hear them chuckling and I'm like ah these girls and I'm thinking to myself dude how do I how do I tackle this situation? I got two hot girls 
spitting spit wads at me. How do I turn this thing around? So I, uh, I raise up my head and I look over there and I catch him like, girl had the straw in her mouth. And I'm like, ha you know, I, I, I look at him and I smile and I'm like, hey, are you girls, are you girls shooting spit wads at me? And they both start laughing and they were like, yeah, yeah, we definitely were. We, were, we had a bet to see how many we could hit you with before you realized it. And uh, I kind of started laughing and I'm like, well, who won the bet? And they're like, well, no one yet. And so they're like, well, we were just kind of worried about you too. Like you were like kind of mumbling and like you were bobbing your head all crazy. Are you all right? And I'm like, you know what, ladies? You have no idea what happened to me on the way out here. It's the craziest story that has ever happened in my life. And I don't, I just, I'm trying to process it. I don't know if anybody can make any sense of it. And so now I've piqued their interest and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't, you want to hear it? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So in this, in this room, there's probably like 50 people. And as I tell that to the, as I tell the girls, I'm going to tell you the story. They kind of come over and they sit down and they're like, well, Hey, who are you here with? And I'm like, Oh, see that guy over there. That's my buddy Mario. He's playing some dominoes or something over there. And, uh, they're like, Oh, you're with that guy. And I'm like, yeah, see those girls over there, the twins over there. I'm with them. And they're like, what? You're not with those girls. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm not with them. I mean, they're all with me, you know, kind of flip it on them a little bit. So they start laughing and, uh, they didn't believe me. They're like, those are not your friends. And I'm like, those are totally my friends. So I say, hey, Mario, what up? Hey, I'm going to tell him that story about the ride out here. Kind of give him the heads up like I'm going to tell the story. And then I tell the girls like, hey, ladies, I'm going to tell this girl the story. Do you care? And they're like, oh, George, you going to tell him that story? I'm like, yeah. And so as I do that, I, uh, you know, more people are beginning to, to hear me talk and so those two girls that were in the kitchen come and they sit down next to me. And um, as I call for my friend Mario and then the girls, they, they hear me about to tell the story. So they kind of walk over this way a little bit and they bring the people they were talking to. So as I begin the story, there's started off with two people and then four and then 10. And then, you know, everybody in that room was kind of jacked up. So as the story progressed, I pretty much got everybody's attention. And I'll tell you the story like I told it to them. So here's, here's what transpired. So those girls come and sit down next to me. Let me get a drink of water. So those girls come and sit down next to me. And they're like, okay, tell me what happened. I go, all right. I go, well, me and my buddy Mario... And these two beautiful ladies right here. We were on our way to Vegas. And, you know, we were driving my, uh, I had a 76 Cadillac Eldorado. It was badass. And uh, we're driving. And me and my buddy Mario, super cool cat. Sometimes we would, you know, we're two, we're two like that. We were two young swinging dicks and we would always kind of compete with each other a little bit. And you know how guys are, man, especially young guys just talking a lot of shit. And so 
we get out to like a little bit past Barstow, which for us was a little bit past halfway. And there's a, you know, there's nothing out there. And I don't know if it was, I don't think it was Zizix. It was, it was some obscure off ramp, but there was like a, a guy out there that was like, dude, he's like a bum. You know what I mean? He had like a long like trench coat on, scraggly hair. He had all his belongings in like a plastic shopping bag. And so we're cruising and my, uh, my buddy Mario goes, hey, George, I dare you to pick that guy up. You know, and I'm like, dude, that, that guy up there? And I'm like, I'll fucking do it. Because he's trying to get, you know what I mean? He's trying to make me look like a punk. He's like, I'll make you look dumb in front of these girls. But me, with my ego, I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And so as I slow down the Cadillac, like, I pull over a little bit. And dude, the guy is, ah, he was a real gym. You know what I mean by like that? He was, he just looked like the wrong guy to pick up. So, of course, I pick him up. And it, it gets even crazier because, so in the Cadillac, there was, there was, I'm driving, my buddy was sitting shotgun, and then the two girls are in the back. So the hitchhiker, he jumps in the back and he, he gets in next to the girls. Now, already, I know what you're thinking. You're like, this is a horrible idea, George. And that's exactly what I was thinking. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, we'll just drive for a little bit and then we'll kick this guy out or something. And it was, it was a really awkward silence. So the guy gets in and I start driving a little bit. And now all of us are like, okay, what are we doing? This is dumb. And... Like, he kind of scoots over close to the girls. Like, the girls are sitting next to each other on the left side. Now, he's right next to them on the right-hand side. And, um, you know, to make, to make some conversation, people are trying to ask him questions. Like, one of the girls asks him, oh, hey, what's your name? And, like, he just, he's just dead silent. He doesn't say anything. And then, um, you know, the, she tries again. Like, oh, where are you headed to? And, like, he just doesn't say anything. He just has, like, his just eyes are like stone just staring forward and so my buddy mario turns around and he's like what's up man he's like hey what you got in your bag there and the guy's like fuck you none of your goddamn business what's in my bag like after like he didn't say anything but when you talked about his bag dude started flipping my buddy mario's a pretty big guy so like i could see him kind of change my buddy mario's like okay i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to knock this clown out and so we're driving a little bit, you know, and I'm looking, there's no real pull off, so I can't really pull off, but I'm thinking like, okay, I'm at the next little turnout, I'm going to pull off and fucking kick this guy out of here. And so I'm trying to make time looking for a spot. So I turn around and I'm like, dude, listen, man, we're cool enough to give you a ride. If you got a gun or you got some drugs in there. Cause now I'm thinking, dude, maybe the guy's got a gun in there. Maybe he's got something in there that like, you know, could kill us. Or maybe he's got something in there that's like contraband or you know, why would he get all butthurt when you ask about his bag? And so I, I turn, I am driving my, look, man, if you got like some drugs, you got a gun in there, just tell us, you know, and look, we're going to drop you off, but I want to know what's in there so that, you know, if we get pulled over or something, I'm not responsible for it. And he's like, fuck you. None of your goddamn business. What's in my bag? Fuck all you guys, man. You all want my fucking bag. None of your goddamn business. What's in my bag. So at this point in time, there's nowhere to turn over. So I, I just pull off kind of by the side of the road and we get out. And the guy gets it like, 
open the door. My, my, my buddy Mario jumps out. Like, the girls are super scared. So but Mario jumps out the side, grabs this guy, pulls him out. I get out the, the driver's side, and I come around. And, like, there's some shoving that goes on. And, like, dude, my buddy Mario just, wow, like, shoves this guy super hard. He falls to the ground. He gets back up. And then he kind of gets in our face, and he's cussing. And he's like, yeah, motherfucker, you, you just being a belligerent. You know what I mean? Just being a belligerent. He's like, you, want, you, you just want to fucking steal my bag? None of your business what's in my bag? And so, like, that's it. We pushed him. We didn't hit him or run him over or anything like that. We just pushed him, and then he got up and started walking away. So, imagine that so far. Imagine that process. Now, I'm telling this story in front of this whole room of people, some of whom I know and some of whom I don't know. And the whole room is now listening to my whole story, like, just hanging on the edge. Like 50 people at this party, you know? Especially the two girls that were shooting spitwads at me. It's important. And so, back to the story. After we push the guy, he runs out. We jump back in the Cadillac and we're driving. And the girls, they just let me and my buddy Mario... Ha- like they, They're like, you guys are so dumb. Like, Why would you do that? First off, that guy sat back here with us. We were in danger. You guys are fucking egomaniacs. That was so dumb. You put us in danger and, you know, like that could have been a real issue. And so obviously they're right. They're right. And so there's another uncomfortable silence for like 10 minutes. Like we're all just kind of processing what happened. Like, yeah, that was, that was really dumb. We shouldn't have done that. And so then one of the girls says, guys, we're like, yeah. She goes, that fucking guy left his bag in here. And we were all like, what? No way. She goes, yeah, he fucking left it right here in the middle of the seat. It was crazy. Like all that, all that smack talking, all that shit about none of your business, what's in the bag. And the fucking guy left it right in the seat. I know what you're thinking. Because everybody at the party was thinking the same thing. Right when I said that, right when I said to the whole party, I said, listen, then the guy left his fucking bag in the car. You know what everybody in unison said at the party? In one voice, but the two girls next to me that were shooting spitwads, what was in the bag? What was in the bag? And then you know what I said? None of your fucking business. Oh! And the crowd goes wild. And the crowd goes wild. George Monty swinging for the fences. And that, my friends, is how I turned that particular situation around. Which was not easy considering the state that I was in. Which just goes to prove... If you can take a few minutes to think about your strategy, then nine out of ten times, you can come up with an idea that'll win. And a lot of times, the idea that will win will be the idea that makes people laugh. I took these... It was was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. These girls were looking at me like I was some sort of a wounded dog. I could see it in their eyes shooting spitwads at me. 
15 minutes later, they're looking at me like, oh my God, look at this guy. Which brings, brings up another point. He who learns to speak in front of crowds well will never have to dine or sleep alone. So that's what we got today. Finding humor in adversity, having the ability to think under pressure, and coming up with ideas that make people laugh. If you can harness those little tidbits, I think you can find more meaning in your life and understand that when something crazy happens to you, it doesn't have to be a tragic event. It can be an opportunity. I love you guys. And I will talk to you soon. Have a great Monday. Aloha. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.